everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. You try to think, but nothing happens. Well, the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Alright, we're cutting that short here because we used that beginning last week, if you recall, on Everything Old is New Again. And young David Cohen joins me here, the Philadelphia cheese steakman himself. Right here talking part two, sandwiches on everything old is new again. David Cohen. Yes. What is turning out to be one of my favorite series of shows we've done. <laughs> we sandwiches. Were just, we were just going to do one show. It's now come in, expanded into two. And who knows? With some suggestions from you, it may turn into three. Everything old we is new again. We could have a sandwich show. Uh, you know, a sam. What, what am I trying to say? We can have a sandwich show encased by two other sandwich shows, so we can create our own sandwich <laughs> of sandwich shows. Cool. The everything old is new again blockbuster. How about that one? Now, do no. you, you a remember sandwich, a sandwich? You, that's not, not exactly what I did not say. <laughs> you have a sandwich show in the middle, and on either side, the outside and the uh, the top and the bottom are two other sandwich shows, right. Creating a sandwich of sandwich shows, and we're calling that the 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 sandwich of the They're everything old is new again is the blockbuster. That's okay. it. Three yeah. shows of sandwiches, right. but maybe yeah. we won't do three. We'll certainly yeah. know. Uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should I'm just. Very sensitive gonna, about sandwiches. I'm going to cut off the uh, the mic to the to wherever you are broadcasting from. And <laughs> just do this myself. Now, here's the thing. Last week we were talking about Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, and you were going off about cheesesteak sandwiches. And you take a ride to Philadelphia for two hours to get a sandwich. If you do that somewhere in the United States, and you're listening to our show, send us. The recipe and or the location of where oh, you yeah. go for your favorite sandwich. Describe what the sandwich is, and we'll get it on the air. We'll, maybe we'll call that person. Maybe we'll call that facility and find out how they make their sandwich and whatever. I'm very interested in sandwiches throughout the country. Now, to get That's in touch with us, idea. thank you, is everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's everythingoldisnewagain.biz is the website. You can communicate with us right from that website or... Old new again at AOL.com. Old new again at AOL.com. So I want to try one from Kentucky. I'm glad I like how you sandwiched that in there. That was good. <laughs> uh, Kentucky has one called the hot you ever notice when I don't have anything to say, I I, I, I It just, I, it just moves move on. on. The hot I don't blame you. brown. Have you heard of the hot brown? I have not. Well, Louisville has a brown hotel, and listen to this now. In 1926, the year before the Yankees had the best baseball team of all time, they invented an open sandwich. Now, this is interesting. Now, open versus closed sandwich, that means you're, you're eating the sandwich with a knife and fork. Does that disqualify the sandwich, David Cohen? Not necessarily. Not if okay. the structure is there. All right. Well, here it is. Are you ready? And again, yeah. these are old timers, so you're using white bread on all these. White bread with turkey and bacon. That's not anything so unusual these days. Covered in Mornay sauce, which is basically a, a melted cheese. 
broiled until brown and toasty. Now, oh, I like that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Um, some change the Mornay sauce with American cheese, and they say that, that they do that in Lexington. They change instead of Louisville. In Lexington, they use American cheese at J. Graham's Cafe. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Well, J. Graham's Cafe is the one in the Brown Hotel, which was the original sandwich. And in some le- places in Lexington, they changed it to American cheese. E- in any event, that sounds kind of like a Philly cheesesteak sandwich, except it's using, well, turkey and bacon instead of the the uh, meat that you're discussing. Leslie. That's true. Yeah. That so that's, sounds very close. Yeah. That's and We may have to take a trip out to but, some of these places. Probably not as good. Oh, I think. But hey, prove me wrong. I'm going to prove prove you wrong. wrong. I'm going to say this. I don't like the Philly cheesesteak when they pour this almost looks like melted Velveeta on top of the steak. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I don't like that. So you like provolone? As I like the other. The, was it the one across the street that doesn't pour it on? Right. There's another one that, that you were saying has the cheese mixed well, in. Well, you have the option of of whether. Okay. The pour- uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, does it matter? Why does it matter to you? Whether it's, it's cheese food. On, it's not it's- cheese. No, no cheese on the planet will pour like cheese that. Cheese whiz. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> cheese whiz is like it's its own. Food group. It's not, and even notice. By the way, here's another. Here's a hint. When I was a kid growing up, we would get the individual sliced cheese from the supermarket, and they were individual sliced and wrapped. You know, like the craft ones. If you look at those, that's cheese food. That's not real cheese. So when you make a sandwich, if you notice. When you grow up, you start to go to the deli counter, let's say, at the grocery store, and you get freshly sliced all kinds of cheeses. That's, the to me, the way to go as its flavor. The ones that we're just talking about that's cheese food, which is almost like that cheese whiz, uh, is in the same family. It, it's, it doesn't have the same flavor. It doesn't have the flavor you need to augment the meat properly. Yes or no? What other sandwiches so do you have? You're stuck because you love that Philly cheese. You not you will not go no, down. No, I that like. Road. I, I, you could add cheese whiz. You could add provolone. For me, it, it doesn't matter. It all tastes good. Wow. I don't have a preference. <laughs> all right, now I want to talk about my two sandwiches that I made up as a kid. That every oh, so yeah. often I still have to this day. I walk into the deli and I would get one or the other. Now, if it was a hot day out, I'd get a cold sandwich. If it was a cold day, I'd get a hot sandwich. So let's say it's hot outside. What if it was a mild day? It was a mild day, I get cheese whiz and just <laughs> just drink it. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for yeah, I'd open with that. Good. good. All right. So it's it's what we say. It's hot out. So I'm gonna get the cold sandwich. Now I get a nice ham. Now the ham has to be sliced thin, and it has to be a ham that's not a Virginia ham that's dry. It has to be a moist ham. And then we've got American cheese. Lettuce and mayo on a roll, and the secret ingredient, slices of liverwurst. Liverwurst? Liverwurst. Now, does anybody even know what liverwurst is anymore these days? I like liverwurst. I do, too. It's a very, uh, yeah, no, it's not, first of all, it's not... You know, good for you, but it tastes really good, and it's not widely available. I don't think Liverwurst is, is available all over the place. If you ask at delis and at deli counters, and sometimes they're now prepackaging it because yeah, you're yeah. right, it's not as popular. But man, is it, it? It adds a spice. It's um, 
how do you describe it? It's it's a pate, if you will, like a of liver, hard pate right? of With liver. other things mixed in. But I'll never eat liver like cooked as a steak. You know how they do that? You no, know? I got it. No, yeah. but liver worst. Liver worst. With it's worse. ham it's worse. and. What are you saying, uh, worst? <laughs> no. Liver worst. Well, that's probably how you pronounce it as a kid. Though. Liver I mean, worst. Kept... Yes, exactly. It's got to be turkey and it's got to be liver worst. <laughs> no, you imagine this kid, this kid ordering kid walking for. In, oh, God, here's the liver worst. <laughs> And by the way, all of these guys, and they, they back in the day, they were all guys in the deli. They would be wearing the, the white uh, smock. They'd have the pencil behind their ear, and every order they would write down on the, the wrapping that you're going to eventually wrap the sandwich in what you wanted. So you'd come in, and you, of course, everyone ordered their own thing. And I don't know, where did I come up with this? But you know what? I made that sandwich up. They didn't blink an eye. The old timers, they whatever you told them, they wrote it down, they made it, they delivered it, fresh, delicious, meat filled, filled the sandwiches that they didn't skimp. It was terrific. Yeah, that that, that sounds really good. I I uh, actually would wouldn't mind trying. All right, that I, 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 that's my cold one. Now, when it is cold out, and we're playing like you know football in October. I'm going in and I'm ordering a hot sandwich. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Roast beef, but bear in mind the roast beef has to be rare and it's not cooked. In other words, I'm not making it hot. It's rare roast beef, ham, same type of ham, provolone. And what I'd like you to do, please, is put some brown gravy on there. Brown gravy and heat the whole sandwich up so the cheese melts all over the concoction. And of course, of course, the roast beef will cook some more when you do that. Right. And again, they just did it. They didn't. Not even they don't think. Yeah, I, that's what I love about the old times. How did you come up with that? I don't I mean, know. It sounds interesting. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious about how, how in your mind you put that together. Well, what happens is you're playing with the pigskin for quite a while out there, and with the guys, and and you just all you're doing is thinking about lunch. And I guess you know, I guess it just the ham is on my mind, and I built it from there. What can I tell you? <laughs> you like the pigskin reference? I don't know. That was not so bad. I guess not. I guess it didn't work for you. <laughs> oh, because the pig, pig and then skin the, and pig, the ham and pig yeah. skin. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you know what? We gotta it continue. doesn't matter. Listen, g- creative geniuses, you can't explain the process. It just happens, right? Exactly. It, just, it all comes together. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, it did. It was terrific. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it to this day every so often. We'll come back. Right I'm, more, this, I'm, old I'm actually more impressed about how you just came up with these sandwiches. That, that Really, uh, really cool. I would love if one of them were named after me, too. Wouldn't that be nice? You'd think they would have done that, right? Yeah, they, they called it the kid with the liverwurst. We'll be back right after this. Really old Barbecue sauce and meat. Libby makes him swing. Sloppy Joe's a thing. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Oh, you need pop, pop, pop. You make a puffer nutter. Marshmallow pop and lots of peanut butter. First you spread, spread, spread your bread with peanut butter and marshmallow pop and have a puffer nutter. Ah, that's that commercial back from the 1960s of the Fluff and Nutter. David Cohen, do you remember that commercial? The same oh, I theme. sure do. If fluff you got and fluff, fluff, fluff. Like, I mean, that was tremendous. It was ubiquitous where we were growing up. Fluff. Now, here it is. We're on Everything Old is New Again. We're talking about sandwiches. The perfect sandwich to talk about on Everything Old is New Again, like them or not, is the Fluff and Nutter sandwich. You know why? Because Paul Revere... 
well, his descendants really, created, came up with, invented Fluffanutta back in the 1900s in Massachusetts. His How great, did he do that? His great, great, great granddaughter, Emma, Emma Curtis, came up with snowflake marshmallow cream in 1913. Now, I don't know how they did it, why they did it, where it came from, but that's where it came from. They didn't invent it. They perfected the marketing of it. In the 1890s in Boston, somebody in, it's called, in the something called the Armory invented this and introduced it in a town called Melrose, Massachusetts, where the Revere's were living, and the Revere's basically took that nine years later and began, began marketing it and became the fa- famous people who, you know, were the ones to introduce, let's just say, marshmallows. And they created a marshmallow factory, by the way, in 1915 to support wow. the, the Fluffanutta craze. Now, in World War One. The same Emma Curtis published a recipe for peanut butter and marshmallow cream sandwich. She called it a Liberty Sandwich. Four years later, they shortened the title to uh, the, marsh- the SMAC Marshmallow. I don't know what, why they did that, but they, they, in essence, came up with the recipe. And think about this. You got all these cooks now, and you're going crazy with all these shows on TV. with Everybody's cooking everything exotic, and everything's coming from... The recipe book featured a fluff and nutter, and it, the fluff and nutter was already made. All they would, would tell you was take a piece of bread, put fluff and nutter on it, put peanut butter on it, close the two pieces of bread, and you've got a fluff and nutter. That was, but that was in a recipe book. Like, wow. I, they were pretty simple, I guess, back then. I, I don't know how, to, how else to say. Um, but anyway, it, it proceeded to the 1960s as sort of a local concoction in, in Massachusetts, in Swampskit, Massachusetts. It was, it was uh, all, you know, a gooey concoction that, that people started to add, like sugar to and corn syrup and all this. And then in 1929... In Lynn, Massachusetts, where our uh, basketball expert Tim Fallon is from, who was on our show a little ways back talking all things basketball and coaching, he was a college friend of mine, Lynn, Massachusetts, in a book called The Yummy Book, Fluffiner was promoted and sold by the gallon, finally, to the general public. It finally caught on in the 1960s, for some reason, when they finally figured out the name Fluffinutter. And it's a place called Durkee Mauer is the company that did that. They're still in Lynn to this day. They still sell, sell Fluff and Nutter to this day and online if you feel like going to check it out. I would like to just tell you one other thing. There was a senator back in 2006 in Massachusetts, a state senator, that wanted to restrict the serving of Fluff and Nutter sandwiches in schools, Jarrett Berrios, and that person was rudely uh, voted right out of office because the fluff and utter is a huge staple, if you didn't know, in Boston, Massachusetts. Did you know that? I had no idea that any of this ever happened. Did you love the fluff and utter as a kid? It couldn't have been an easier sandwich. I I thought it was just some, you know, Madison Avenue whiz that just kind of came up with fluff and, uh, and said, hey, why don't we put that with peanut butter? And it was a sensation. It wasn't. It I didn't know it had back. such a history. Me neither. It was amazing. Speaking of history, because you've been so quiet, I know that you love have no choice. the history of the sandwich. 
What would it have been like if you were crossing the country on the wagon train in any time in the 1800s from the east to the west and eating, they had to eat sandwiches. That's what they, that's what they packed. What kind of sandwiches would they have eaten on their wagon train and or when they've gotten to like when they got to St. Louis which was as west as you can get before you went on that wagon train out west uh, and what did they serve in the, the highfalutin places in in because they were the craze back in the 1800s in St. Louis like what they were literally these little of course you see these movies they have these little finger sandwiches these tea sandwiches right which yeah. are the worst they're not really great sandwiches but that was the craze back then how did they make them? What were on sandwiches back then? Let me just well, give before you get. There's <laughs> a reason I'm quiet. Before it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> before you're going to dive into and tell us a bunch of these sandwiches, I want to tell you from the 1800 cookbooks what are the secrets to making a great sandwich as far as they're concerned. You ready for this? The bread must be at least one day old. Cut thin and uniform. Why would it be one day old, do you think? Good question. I don't know. They wanted a little, a little stale uh, so that we'd hold up. A little stale, up. Yep. right? Yeah. Cream, not melt. Cream, butter, before spreading. Because they didn't really have mayo and all this stuff. They had creamed butter. That was like the only like kind of condiment they had. Hmm. Sandwiches are better eaten as soon as made, if necessary. Within an hour, eat the sandwich. And do not cut the crust from the bread, as a rule. That was really an important... Factor because the sandwiches they would say in the 1800s are naked without the crust. And finally, if you have an onion sandwich when you carry it, it must be packed in a closed, covered box by themselves because of the smell. Now, does any of that interest you in any way, shape, or form to tell us what kind of sandwiches actually did they make in the 1800s? David Cohen. Well, I'm, gu- I'm guessing it's. It can't be something that's going to spoil, right? So if they're traveling across country, it can't be anything that needed to be preserved. So uh, maybe some sort of like, you know, preserved meat, like dried meat perhaps would go in it. Or, oh, other than that, it would have to be some like plant-based thing. Well, how about uh, a ham? How about a ham and olive sandwich? What about that? Have you heard of that? yeah, but had it, but the ham had to be cured, right? Because it would go bad. There was no refrigeration back then. Sure, but they, yes, they, that's correct. So well, they would have to be. They would they would bring the pigs with them, and they would kill the pigs, and they would eat them, and there'd be leftovers. And the next day, they they'd have the sandwich. I see. Okay. Okay. Right? Well, if you're bringing animals with you, right? Sure. sure. So you okay. you you going to tell us? You have it right in front of you. What is a ham and olive sandwich? So okay, a ham and olive sandwich uh, consisted of chopped lean ham, fine and beat into each cuffle of the minced meat, a tablespoon of salad oil or a teaspoon of vinegar, uh, a saltspoon of French mustard, six olives chopped fine, and a teaspoon of minced parsley. You're telling me they had all this stuff with them? Wow. I don't think so. Well, they had the French mustard. Uh, work all to a paste. And spread on the thin slices of white bread. Remember, this also could have been more or less in St. Louis, in the more refined city, where they that had all be. these things, right? Right, right, right. right. I, I, so you're basically, you're just mincing the ham and, um, and, and, and some chopped olives. I mean, to me, that sounds really good, and I would actually try that right I, now. I don't know well, if I would. I'll be, I'll be back in about 10 minutes. Well, before you do, there'll be a commercial break yeah. coming up. Tell us about the pimento sandwich. It's bizarre to me. 
It's bizarre, but you know what? I, my mom used to make it, and um, I went to a party about 10 years ago, and to my pleasant surprise, they brought out a platter of little pimento sandwiches. I could not believe <laughs> well, Tell us what that's about. What, I mean, so what's in basically, it? Basically, um, you get a, a can of pimentos. They're like a, a kind of olive, right? And um, you get the pimentos, uh, throw some celery in there, uh, some parsley, a couple of onions, um, and then you're going to mix all that in, believe it or not, uh, cottage cheese, a little mayo, and salt, and paprika. And you kind of mix all of that stuff up, and it becomes like a spread. It's this uniform pink color um, that becomes a spread. You can just e either put it on, on bread or buttered bread, either one. But it's really that simple, and they taste amazing. All right. Well, that's an interesting try. We should give that a shot. How about if you're on the wagon train, you would have an apple and celery sandwich. Think about that. You would mince the uh, celery fine and mix it with chopped apples and sprinkle with a little salt and spread between slices of buttered brown bread. That would be your, your lunch. See, that's the kind of thing it sounds like whatever they could find in the yes. wagon, they put it on a sandwich. Exactly. Hey, I got some uh, <laughs> these pebbles here. I think if we put them on bread and just slap enough, enough mayonnaise on there, it should be okay. Well, one that would make sense, though, is the breakfast sandwich. They did eggs with green peppers. They did that with olive oil and a little, I think they may have, if they had ketchup or not, they did that and chopped the eggs and put some pepper on it. So they, they had the breakfast sandwich back then. That was pretty interesting. There you go. Maybe yeah. the bacon. They could throw some bacon on there. Stick. Whatever they could find. Well, whatever meat, let's put it this way, they, they threw whatever meat they had. They didn't give you, it wasn't cold cuts. The meat was minced up. Whatever meat they had for the night before that was left over, they minced it up. It usually was beef or pork, of course, because they would carry, they would take those animals with them. And, of course, when they arrived in California or in Arizona or Nevada or wherever they landed upon, these recipes stayed with them. So that's how the sandwich flourished in the West Coast, was a lot of minced meat. You heard, you've heard that term, minced meat. They would yeah, mince right. the meat For up the and mix it in with... Meat. Right, they would yeah. mix it up with stuff. Whether I don't yeah. know if they had mayo, but they mixed it up with the creamed butter, which mm. I don't know good. That's why they, their life expectancy wasn't so long. But they worked a lot harder than we did too physically so I don't know they worked it off but they, this is what they did they mince all the meat in there together and maybe put a you know, little uh, lettuce and tomato and, and you had your sandwich and the bread by the way was freshly baked bread think about that which made these sandwiches because that's another element that sometimes we just throw it out you're eating the sandwich with the bread and the bread's sort of like I oh, just got to get through the bread to get to the meat or whatever you have if you have really good they bread stop at a, they couldn't stop at an Arby's on the way they had to really plan for this stuff right correct all the food and the ingredients had to be really planned out and if they, but they had to have but they made the bread fresh so that was another aspect some people just ate the bread by themselves yeah. you know all right we'll be back with this and everything goes do again continue all things sandwich you're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Oh, you need pop, pop, pop. You make a pop or nutter. Marshmallow pop and lots of peanut butter. First you spread, spread, spread your bread with peanut butter and marshmallow pop and have a pop or nutter. Uh, we liked it so much, we played it again. That was the theme to the Fluff and Nutter, a sandwich from way back when. You, you may remember that as a kid growing up. It's still on the shelves in your local grocery store to this day and tastes great with some peanut butter. I would suggest, in my world, toasting the bread. 
so that you, the fluff nutter would, would stand up to it and put the fluff nutter on the sandwich bread first, then put the peanut butter on a separate piece of bread on top of the fluff and put the two pieces together. So it's not messy. Does that make yeah, sense? It's hard, it's, it's hard to put peanut butter directly on the fluff. Right. Well, it looks like so, it can. It looks like it's sturdy, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not at all. <laughs> all right. So we're here on Everything Old New Again. We're talking sandwiches, continuing our discussion of maybe a little bit of the history of some of these sandwiches. Or as they say in New York, sandwich. Sandwich. Now, here's a question. The tuna fish sandwich seems to be very common, very... I mean, you can see it in the Andy Griffith show. You see it, you know, all over the place. It's a common sandwich. It's something that, you know, is popular but overlooked. There was a time in the 1940s when the tuna sandwich was the craze. David Cohen, I would love for you to tell us a little bit of the history, believe it or not, of a tuna sandwich. And you're going to make it interesting. I know you are. How about that? Well, the first (laughs) thing to know about tuna sandwiches is when I grew up, you had to wait a half an hour uh, after eating lunch to swim as a kid. However, if you had a tuna salad sandwich, you had to wait a whole hour. Really? Never ex- yeah, it was never explained to me why you had to wait longer when you had tuna. But as we all know, there's no uh, basis in fact or it well, let me doesn't ask you a question. matter before when you jump into the pool. Before you get into the tuna sandwich itself, the recipe, do you prefer sliced celery for texture in your tuna fish sandwich. I do not. Oh, and see, I do. Okay. No, no. I just, just make it. Don't put stuff in it. I don't need <laughs> stuff. I don't, I don't need sticks and rocks in it. What do you do? do basically you... what, what celery is. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what, what's the history? Where did this come from? The tuna? The tuna ah. sandwich. Wait, I had it. Can you we had come it? back? How about the, ninth, the 19th century? Yes. Yeah, okay. No? So here's the thing. Here's, yes, which here's is the, the 1800s. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a long time ago in the 1800s, um, basically, like women were not allowed into these uh, saloons or clubs where men would go and eat lunch. So uh, what used to happen was that when uh, dinner was made at home, they would use leftovers and make a quote unquote salad uh, with the leftovers for the next day. So you'd be in the kitchen, you'd be cooking a tuna or it could be anything, any sort of meat. And you take the leftovers and you take any leftover, you know, green beans or whatever kind of vegetable you had. And the next day you would sort of like mash it together. And mayonnaise at that time was a very big um, sort of like you know, emulsifier, like everything you put mayonnaise with every, you take the extra tuna or the extra hamburger and you just do, you, know, you put it in the mayonnaise with the chopped onions, whatever you have left over. And you had a quote unquote salad for lunch the next day. So, uh, to meet the demand for women to, to actually eat lunch places opened that would serve these quote unquote salads that were geared towards women who couldn't get into the normal saloons where the men's were, the men were carousing. Um, so it catered to this thing. And uh, flash forward many years later, I believe tuna was one of the f- first fish that became canned. It became mass produced. So uh, it became an easy way for, uh, I'm going to say women, because that was a reality back in the 1940s and 50s. Women were home usually more than men making lunches for the kids and whomever. Um, and they took the tuna in a can, which was very affordable and easy to get. And took the same mayonnaise and uh, other stuff they might put in with the tuna, like you were saying, celery, something like that. 
and became a lunch spread. Tuna salad was born and became, to this day, one of the most popular lunch spreads around. Now, in the beginning... Is that good? Is that a yes, good synopsis? Yes, that was very good. Thank you. In, in the beginning, for understand, the... Uh, uh, homemaker of the, of the day would like to say take the leftovers if you had fish the night before they would grind up just a, just as we were talking about in the 1800s the same thing went with all the way to like the 1940s where they would grind up or chop up the leftover uh, fish for the night before in some mayo and there it could have been salmon could have been lots of <clears throat> excuse me different kinds of fish but eventually, there was a revolution in tuna. We have to look as to why. But there was a revolution in tuna in 1949 where tuna finally became accessible in a can. In gr- they, call it, they called it grated just, style. I just said all that. No, you I didn't. You said, said exactly nothing. You what said, I said. You said nothing about using the other, other exactly. things. Exactly. <clears throat> now, wise guy. You know so much. You got to tell tell me then about the club sandwich. What's the history of the club sandwich? Are you going to listen this time? So you don't <laughs> no, I'm going to look. I'm going to read about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and tell you that next. <laughs> good, good, <laughs> good. All right. So uh, the club sandwich basically got its name its name from uh, back in the day in the 1800s when exclusive clubs you know hotels things like that were were making their own creations you know you've heard about the waldorf salad it was originated in the waldorf hotel 1890s and the same thing happened with (laughs) yeah Uh, keep reading about the pb and j (laughs) same thing was happening with sandwiches and clubs were known for making their own kind of sandwich and uh, apparently, the club sandwich, and I'll explain exactly what a club sandwich is for those of you who do not know what a club sandwich is. Um, the club sandwich is <laughs> basically, ah! Leave you on your own. See what happens? I leave you on your own? It's no, a sandwich with okay. meat and three good. layers of bread. I'm good. It's three layers of bread. That's the key, and it's cut into triangles. And uh, basically... Uh, Held together with a toothpick. calls for uh, basically mayonnaise. Of course, mayonnaise goes on everything. Filled with uh, chicken or turkey, uh, usually turkey, I would think, bacon, lettuce, and tomato, and cut into uh, two triangles, held together with a toothpick stuck in each half. So the toothpick would hold the ingredients within the three layers of toasted bread, and that was a club sandwich. A lot of people argue it was it was started at the uh, the Union Club uh, somewhere in the United States. Forget where it was. Uh, other clubs are also clamoring, saying, no, we had a version of it also first, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, Upstate that's New York. the history of the club sandwich. And the Union Club was in New York City, and the Saratoga Clubhouse also offered a club sandwich. But, being but later. 18, later. it was later after the, the Union Club. Exactly. Now, club is on toast or not on toast? It's toasted. Okay, that I like. Now, I, which, which again I said, <laughs> I'm just trying to emphasize. It's called emphasization. <laughs> emphasize. <laughs> now, as far as peanut butter and jelly is concerned, that is a sandwich that every elementary school kid now eats, unless there's a peanut-free zone, right? Which happens. But peanut butter and jelly is a huge favorite. I still enjoy it. I like to do a little variety of not just grape jelly, but the strawberry and uh, preserves. You know, a little. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you do a little peach or something. Yes or no? Orange. Yeah. So you don't have to use the grape jelly. You could use other jellies like orange jelly or, <laughs> or raspberry jelly. 
uh, on the you you can mix it up is basically what Doug is saying. Correct, and I see. I don't. I, I like the emphasis, so I don't call you out on that. That was good. Now, John Harvey Kellogg, who is the gentleman that created the cereal, because he was a health nut, by the way, back way back in the nineteenth century. He was a health food advocate, believe it or not, back in you know around the Civil War time, and he promoted peanut products as replacement for animal-based foods, butter included. So use peanut butter instead of butter, and of course he later on developed cereals, breakfast cereals. The Kellogg uh, Corn Flakes was one of his first ones, and so uh, in the nine in the 1901 Baking Boston, I should say Boston Cooking School magazine. Again, a cooking school had to teach people about peanut butter and jelly because the peanut butter was not refined yet in a jar. They had to make the peanut butter, which was a tough thing to do, grinding it and all that stuff. But back or later on in the 1920s, peanut butter became mass-produced with uh, vegetable oil and sugar, which made it taste even better. And I believe that was in the 1920s yes. that it became mass produced. Yes, and Skippy brand. Oh, oh you just said that. Yes, <laughs> I like the emphasis. Skippy, in case you weren't listening, Skippy brand targeted children then at that point in time, the 1920s. And if you look at the Little Rascals, for example, and other shows from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, little kids are eating peanut butter and jelly all over the place, and since then, it's never stopped. It has gone to this day. If you go to your local grocery store, you will see eight or nine different types of peanut butter, eight or nine different types of jelly, and most of the time, what else are you going to use peanut butter and jelly for? Other than, you know, there's some recipes that I could tell you, but celery with uh, some peanut butter on it, have you ever tried that? Oh, sure, yeah. So that's okay. But, I, but for the most I part, it's for that, peanut butter and jelly. But and the funny thing about peanut butter and jelly, it is, I think, the healthiest sandwich that we've mentioned so far on these two shows. Peanut, and, and, and here's how I eat it, okay, because I'm, I'm very health conscious too. First, I buy the peanut butter that's pure peanuts. No, no uh, sugar added, no salt, pure ground peanuts. That's number one. And we'll continue and right jelly. after this on everything else. What? <laughs> no. again. I know, we're out of time. You can tell us All that right. right when we return I right after this. Funny. No, I'm out of time. <laughs> Let's do it. Now, back no. to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again <laughs> with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Oh, my sandwich is all wet. Uh, they're all wet. Oh, God. The dog went on the picnic basket. <laughs> oh, there we go. The vacation scene with... Emma Jean Coco from your show of shows is the long-lost aunt taking the trip with Chevy Chase along the the country. And, of course, they have a picnic basket of sandwiches that is soiled by their ever-loving dog. And Emma Jean Coco just continues to eat. <laughs> didn't, didn't bother her any. <laughs> and we're here and everything hey, else do again. Sandwich. Yeah. Good sandwich is a good sandwich, right? Exactly. It doesn't matter what happens to it. Uh, and we're always looking for new sandwiches and new flavors, so I guess uh, <laughs> that qualifies. I wouldn't suggest it, but uh, we're just going to finish up here our second show on The Sandwich. I just wanted to start with a little look in, at entertainment. Certainly there are sandwiches in lots of different programs and shows and what have you. Does anybody remember this? Pluto! Hi! Hey, I think you know everybody here. Greg, really, can't you... Oh, no, don't worry. Just keep your hands and feet away from his mouth. Don't you have any respect for yourself? 
This is absolutely gross. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. There you go. That boy is a P.I.G. pig from Animal House. David Cohen, do you remember watching Animal House? Oh, of course. And that scene when you he's know, in the lunch room eating everything in sight? Yep. I tell you, I, I was talking with my son, who's 20 years old, and some of his friends, and we were talking about movies. And I mentioned, did you guys see Animal House? like a classic comedy. And they all looked at me like with this weird expression, like, what? And one of them said, well, I heard there's like like an almost kind of sexual assault scene in it and a lot of like like really bad stuff. And I started thinking, but I started thinking back <laughs> to the movie. And I'm like, you know what? There, I, that It's a pretty harsh movie. Like these days, I can see even like younger people being very offended by some of the stuff in it. And it, uh, that's why I said, okay, you know what? Nah, take it off the list. I don't want to be responsible for <laughs> right, right. for looking like an idiot and, and recommending. But meanwhile, a movie so, that, I, that that we absolutely loved and revered, and uh, it's just a different world, you know. Imagine, yeah, imagine I, you and it, it would be interesting. Yeah, go ahead. And Sorry. you in nineteen seventy nine, someone saying to any movie, and you as a kid at seventeen saying, oh, "I don't think I want to watch it because it has uh, this or that in it." Like we we we, well, we didn't do I, that. Know, we did it by quality of the movie. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong, but we didn't even consider social ramifications of anything from zombies I'll to comedies what, to whatever. I, I maybe not. Maybe we were just too young and stupid. But I would venture that if I were to I want to watch the movie now now I'm curious I want to go back and see it and actually come back to these kids and say hey you know no it's not really what you heard it's not that bad or or boy wow yeah exactly <laughs> no I don't think I really don't think it's that bad I, I really don't um, if you watch it and take a look and see back the assault didn't take place and it was it, 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 long story short is um, it's it's a real peak into life in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and yeah, you got to I mean, take I it for what it is. I, yeah, I, I don't remember. But it, but again, like, you know, we saw it when we were really young. So, But there knows. are murders in, in movies. There's there's war movies. And if you don't want to watch those, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't watch them. I don't, but, you know, the Civil War happens. So if you have a movie about the Civil War, you can't change the fact that, that hundreds of thousands of people died. You know what I mean? True. It's just, it yeah. is what it is. That's what life was back then. And, yes, oh. we learned from it, you know. Another thing I want to mention to you, I don't know if, if uh, this is a, this has nothing to do with the, the, the topic at hand here, um, but I know you're an old movie buff, and you should subscribe to something called the Criterion uh, Channel. It, it, it's, a, it's an app, and you can get it on your TV also. I think it's like five or six bucks a month. Right. A treasure trove of old movies. Everyone has your name all over it. Really? And yeah. You, you would love it. You would absolutely love it. I recommend so it's it. called the now you're saying it's an app called Criterion. It's you know the Criterion uh, uh, Studios. I guess they they started. I, I it's I'll look for I the forget app. who actually owns it, but look for the app. It's got all it's got great stuff on it, and and also like the making of and behind the scenes and all that. Casablanca, uh, the Seven Samurai. It's like all all the old classics oh, and stuff it. that you probably haven't even thought of in a long time. Right. All right. I definitely will look into that, and when I do, I will eat. A turkey and Swiss slider. Have you seen? Have you ever had any of these? Think of this: smoked turkey, Swiss mm -hmm. cheese, Dijon mustard, bacon on a Hawaiian bun. Oh, that sounds. You got to heat that up a little bit. 
That sounds good. That's a nice little item. I'm going to go for that. I'm very, <laughs> very interested. I'm going to give you one more, and then I want you to tell me a story about a Monte Cristo. Uh, how about a hand? These are now, by the way, just for kicks, these are brand new types of sandwiches. We did sandwiches from the 1800s. We did sandwiches from 100 BC. We talked about the Earl of Sandwich. We did all kinds of stuff. Let's talk about common or new sandwiches that you can make these days. I just gave you one. How about a ham and brie melt. Very easy. Oh, Bread, yeah. ham, yeah. deli ham, brie. Uh, put it under you know, a little toaster for a few minutes or broil it or you put it in the, in the toaster. Maybe throw a little apricot preserve on it, a little butter on the bread, and trust me, that is a sandwich that you will come back to. But not too often, because brie you can't, it's like, brie you can eat, but you can't eat it all the time. It's a novelty. Maybe once every couple of months you'll have that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, so tell me about Monte Cristo. What did we- so, he, so my son, when he was much younger, uh, I had him read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, which is one of the greatest novels, to me anyway, of all right. time. Yep. And it took, you know, he was a kid, and, and it's a long book, and he got through it, and it took him a long time, but to celebrate... I made Monte Cristo sandwiches. It has nothing to do with the book. It just happens to share the name. But um, Doug's yawning as I'm launching into the story, so I'll make us quick. Keep him away. It's, it's awesome. Think of it as a ham and cheese sandwich, but instead of just bread, it's in, it's in, uh, the, the bread is French toast. Nice. So you fry up slices of bread. It's like you're making French toast. You can even put a little mayonnaise on it, too, to give it a little kick. And then you fry the ham, you fry the cheese, and you put it all together. It's like a triple-decker kind of sandwich. So the entire sandwich is fried. It is, I have to say, one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Some people also put maybe a layer of jam in there, too, to sweeten it up a little bit. But it's decadent. Usually, it's probably more of a morning kind of. Well, like, also, I would uh, I would suggest but, I've had that is terrific with a little um, not the jam but on the side a little bit of a dollop, if you will, or a little cup of maple syrup, and you dip it oh, in the maple yeah. syrup. Good. Yes. Good. That's good. a big... <laughs> good. Good. Now, Elvis used to love the sandwich, and we always hear about Elvis. And you, you go, um, you know, right? everyone talks. We're in Memphis, and we're in that general area, and people are screaming at the radio right now. We know what you're talking about. I mean, when people talk about Elvis, for some reason, his selection of a sandwich has lasted this long past his death. What, 30 years later, what sandwich did Elvis love? Oh, well, legend has it that he loved... Uh, two uh, toasted uh, slices of white bread with peanut butter, mushed up banana. So it was a peanut butter and banana sandwich. But as a variant, he would put bacon on it also. Yes. And uh, the other thing is that he would also eat this eat this same type of sandwich, except he would buy this uh, loaf of Italian bread, right? And fill the Italian bread with like a pound of bacon, peanut butter, and grape jelly. <laughs> and just, just freaking like, I guess he hold it out or something, and he filled it with all that stuff, and he would just eat the Italian bread with all that stuff in it. I mean, this it's guy crazy. was a piece of work. I mean, come on. He loved that peanut butter, boy. He really did. He did. Uh, and and the uh, the banana. Now we have that. We try, sometimes use a little peanut butter and put peanut butter on the banana slices for the kids, and they oh, go sure. for that for a nice helpful. snack. Yeah, it's not bad, right? Oh, peanut I butter was is, talking about the 
Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, peanut butter is healthier than you think, right? I was uh, saying before we went to the break, because I, I was being very long-winded and not conscious of the time, but the, the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is probably the healthiest sandwich we talked about, right? So I was talking about how you get whole grain bread, all right, which is actually really good for peanut butter and jelly. Whole grain bread, peanut butter, no sugar added. You don't need it, okay? Buy the real healthy, just good ground up. You gotta, you gotta natural, natural peanut. Butter. Mix it up in the in the uh, jar, basically. No, no, no. It's done. It's already oh, okay. done. It's, it comes except there's just no. It's not like, you know, Jif or right. or whatever the, they make for kids. Sk- Skippy, there's no sugar added, and that that's a big differentiator. And then for the jelly, <clears throat> you buy like the all fruit. You know what I mean? So it's yep. it's like jelly, except again, no sh- no preservatives, no no sugar added. It's just pure fruit, and that is an amazing and very healthy peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, I'm telling you, and peanut butter and jelly tastes great. And if you get tired of it, change the the, the flavor of the uh, jam or the jelly that you're using. True, absolutely. Strawberries and apricots right? and whatever. And I am telling you, it, it's Thank really you. it it works. Sometimes we're out of food here. You didn't go food shopping. I'm digging into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner. I don't care. Why Pe- sandwiches are not just for lunch anymore? How about we say that? That's true. You can Very end on true. that. All right, so there it is. We've we've covered all things sandwich here, and everything old is new again. We'll be back next week to continue talking all things pop culture, whether it be food, entertainment, uh, all kinds of things. Tune in, and if you like us, call your radio station, tell them you like us, and everything old is new again. We'll be back next week, right here, same place, same time, same station. <laughs> <laughs>